your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire. Your source for Big Ten football news type things, and of course, uh, the only two, uh, the, the, the only, well what, anywhere between two and six of us, depending on how many dogs, that are going to be sitting here at the ready, waiting for the official announcement that the season is canceled for Big Ten football. Whenever that happens, it will be probably... 10 to 20 minutes after we finish recording like the 40, 45 minute long episodes you've been doing here as part of Big Ten 2020. Today, we talk, of course, about the most reliable of Big Ten programs. Nine wins, dominating inferior opponents, check. Lose to your three best opponents, including a humiliating loss to your blood rival Ohio State, check. Handcuffing your bowl game for a while before getting ultimately snowed under by an SEC team, check. Sunrise, sunset, another $9 million to Jim Harbaugh. It's time to talk about Michigan. Better known as Super Iowa. Yeah, yeah, like, basically. Like, Although, <laughs> like, 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 no, it's like, like ascended Iowa, where it's like not really a level above Iowa, but it's just slightly augmented. Iowa has been augmented. It's, it's one of those games where, one of those RPGs where they end up reusing the sprites a bit later on and they change the color to signify that it's a little tougher. Because it's, it's yellow, so it's still mostly the same, but instead of black, this one is blue. Yeah, so that so signifies that it's a little tougher, I guess. swap of Iowa. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so, look, it's fair enough to say that... Not quite an evolved form. No. <laughs> yeah. Certainly not. No. I think it's fair to say that, from a big-picture perspective, Harbaugh has not met any of the goals that his fan base would have expected of him certainly when he was hired and there was talk of well is he going to win only one national title or not how many? three yeah. not four yeah. right not five um yeah. but in they, in they did what two the heat uh yes two i believe but it was you know it goes to show that I, the heat reference there would make you realize that nothing in sports lasts as long as you think it's going to when that miami heat dynasty was formed everyone was like well shit why would you even, if you're a fan of another team, why would you pay attention for the next decade? They're going to win every title and it's not going to be quite well. No, like four, four or five years later, they were breaking up already. So, again, having only won two of those. Yeah, but anyway. So, I don't think, I mean, look, after year five, he's a bagel against Ohio State. No Big Ten title appearances, certainly no national titles or conference titles or playoff appearances. Um, so from the big picture perspective, no, things are not going well. But actually, I mean, if you look at last year's results a little bit more closely, even though at the at the end in the big items it looked a lot it looked a lot like other years that were similarly disappointing, there were some signs of progress here and you you would think that like year three is probably when you want to see those instead of year five but given that Harbaugh has unlimited leash and basically unlimited resources what is time anyway it's a flat circle man precisely I mean and we're probably gonna hear a lot of the same things that have been said about every other team which is that I don't know well this quarterback is gonna be the one that really unleashes all of the 
you know, that, 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 that this is the quarterback that he wants for the system now. And this time, finally, okay, now he's got the guys. Well, now he's got his guys in there. Well, now he's got the staff all assembled. He finally has enough seven-figure salaried assistance right now. Now, this time, but this time, things will be different. Yeah, and you could think that if you looked at the last few games of last season. There, Look, in the early going last year, there were some predictable bumps in transitioning from their previous offense to Josh Gaddis's more wide-open spread concept. But the fact is, that kind of offense was always going to fit Shea Patterson better, and towards the end of the year, they had some impressive results with it. Um, now the problem, of course, is that, as you mentioned, Shea Patterson's gone. They have to pick a new quarterback. It seems this time it's actually going to be a guy who Harbaugh recruited out of high school. It's between, <laughs> it's between McCaffrey and Milton, seems to be the consensus. You know, I still will not believe it until it happens. I guess we'll, but you know, it's getting pretty late in the year to bring in another transfer quarterback if they were to go that route. You know what? <laughs> Actually, that's what convinces me that there will absolutely not be football this year. <laughs> because Harbaugh <laughs> would have to play his own quarterback <laughs> if there was. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> it, 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 it's interesting because I guess I was thinking, well, yeah, you talk about the heat. Yeah, those things come and go in, in the pros, but it feels like lasting dominance. Maybe not at the level of winning every national title, but being in the conversation is a lot more achievable. I don't want to say eager to achieve, but a lot more achievable in college sports. Lasting shittiness is also much more achievable in college sports um, to the extent that it can, like, I honestly think that you would have just as much trouble making Illinois into, like, the kind of Iowa program that wins eight, nine games regardless. You'd have almost as much trouble doing that as you would making Ohio State win like like 16 games in five years. I almost think you'd have to really try to do that because, again, and not get fired. Well, sure. So, obviously in college, the advantages are a lot more baked in. There's much less pretending that anyone is interested in parity um, because... because in the pros, you have owners of 30 teams, 32 teams, whatever, who are all billionaires, who all want at least a theoretical shot at the elevated profile that winning a title would bring them. So you get situations, you get, you know, the draft lottery, you get salary caps. I mean, there's things that are in place in the pros that force things. You, you can only get so far above or below the rest of your competitors, even if you're the Patriots in one direction or like the Knicks in another. Like you can really only screw, like are the Knicks all that far away from being good? Well, yes, because their owner is terrible, but. Well, then of course, then there's baseball where like, I don't know, you know, I feel like if, if, I, if I bought, if, if things were normal and I were sold the Detroit Tigers for $10, uh, I could probably have them in the World Series within three years because I would try, um, and that is the only thing that would particularly matter to me, is winning the damn thing. Um, yeah, but again, that's... And, and, and I would also get the fans behind me by being pretty transparent about why I doing, I'm doing what I'm doing and how it's helping us get closer to the championship. Sure, but... Therefore, look. increasing my revenue, increasing my ability to... I mean, man, the revisionist case for George Steinbrenner... <laughs> you know, 
I used to get so mad about him spending all that money to try to win championships, and then and now I realize, wait a minute, why ha- like why would you not do that? Well, he was one of the few people who approached it basically with the perspective of a fan, not a cold-blooded businessman looking to rip every like, cent he could out of and it. And I feel like such a such a doofus for, for, for not appreciating that. Yeah, well, you, Mike Illich was kind of the same way. You mentioned the Tigers, he owned the Red Wings too, and many things can be said about him, especially in the world outside of sports ownership, but as a sports team owner, he was everything you want as a fan. I mean, he didn't come out and talk to people very much, but he was never shy about cutting the check and trying to win. He wanted to win really bad. Which, again, differentiated him from probably better than 90%, certainly, of baseball owners. I mean, <laughs> as we... The as Bulls we... have the same owner that they did in the 90s. That's yeah. wild to me. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that tells you that, honestly, <laughs> there, there wasn't all that much involved in them being good, aside from happening to get Michael Jordan. <laughs> like, a lot of the rest of that just happened on its own from there. I'm plugging Phil Jackson into I, the system. Really. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow, we got pretty damn far afield here. So, all of which is to say, all of which is to say, what I, I don't even remember how this related to Michigan at all. But well, the point is that Michigan was never going to; it was never really in danger of uh, falling to a program that, like, oh shit, I hope they can make it to a bowl this year, like every year. Oh, they were sure. never in any danger of doing that. So, really, Harbaugh should get some credit for restoring it to super Iowa status, but like at the same time, someone was gonna do that. Yeah, it it's it's definitely fair to say at this point in his tenure that the return you get for him versus the return you get for any top 80 coach in the country in the same job with all the same advantages is negligible. Michigan wasn't gonna become post 2001 Colorado. No, yeah, There was exactly. no reality in which that was going to happen. Yeah, so if we were then to look pivot away from where they've been to where they're going, we mentioned the quarterback battle, and that's obviously the thing that always catches people's attention the most, but whoever does come back is going to be in a system they're familiar with that at least they ran last year in whatever scout reps or practice reps they got. They're going to have a pretty darn good stable of skill guys. Dobbin Peoples-Jones left early for the draft mystifying still to me that he was a sixth rounder because he's got the physical talent to be an all-pro NFL player. Um, Whether Cleveland makes use of him or not, I guess we'll see. Smart money would probably be on not, but again, (laughs) kind of unfortunate for him. But they still have who a guy who I think is low-key being left off of a lot of national lists for unclear reasons in Nico Collins, who I thought was the best downfield receiver in the Big Ten last year. Um, Ronnie Bell's an excellent slot merchant. Uh, they have a good tight end in Nick Eubanks. Not, I mean, he's not Pat Fryermuth, but I think he's really good. And, and of course, A.J. Henning is going to, yeah. out of Lincoln Way uh, High School in Illinois, big-time Illini target. So uh, you, you know that he's just going to absolutely tear it up. Um, yep, their latest uh, five-star, I think, right freshman to play with and they have a couple other guys such that they don't need big reps out of Henning right away, but he's also not the kind of recruit that you keep on the shelf because you figure he'll be gone in three years. Somebody, somebody posted a question on Reddit about, oh, how would you rank the most popular uh, teams in your state? And and I interpreted that as like not just in-state teams, just like oh. the most popular <laughs> team. I yeah, think I, yeah. I think I ranked Illinois 14th 
within Illinois, which I think was probably fair. Um, <laughs> I got half the Big Ten ahead of them. Of course, number one was Notre Dame. Um, yeah. Mostly because Chicago is so populated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, Michigan was up there. Michigan State was up there. Uh, well, yeah, that's because, because there, yeah, there's probably 20,000 um, Michigan State grads in Chicago. But. Ohio State was up there. A lot of filthy casuals. Uh, Wisconsin, seen tons of Wisconsin stuff in, in Naperville. Also Chicago. Than Iowa, Illinois, of course, the Naperville pipeline. <laughs> um, Minnesota, I didn't think would have been that high, but Purdue, probably higher than Illinois. Um, not even whoa, sure why. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. In addition to the guys they have out wide, Michigan's group of running backs comes back intact. Charbonnet and Haskins were a pretty good combo last year, and they have a freshman. I think it's Blake Corum. Is that his name? Um, a well-regarded four-star who, between the three of them, they're, they've got excellent depth at tailback. But that kind of brings us to the problem, and if you're looking for what the excuse is going to be next year, it's going to be that they have to basically rebuild their offensive line. They have one returning starter, Right tackle, Jalen Mayfield. He was okay for a redshirt freshman first-time starter. But the other four guys are all in the NFL now, which, for one thing, is a good sign because your offensive line coach, Ed Warner, put four guys in the NFL in one class. And on the other side, it means that you have to build a whole new offensive line. And because they had great health the last couple years, well, maybe not so much the year before, but certainly last year, I don't know if they missed more than a handful of snaps on the offensive line. Um, of course, at the same time, on the other hand here, it's not unreasonable to assume, you know, to give Michigan some benefit of the doubt as far as whether or not they can replace that line because they, they've shown the ability to replace offensive lines and, and not completely fall apart in doing so. Well, sure, but they it's been a while since they've had this kind of turnover, and let's not confuse them for Wisconsin or yeah, Iowa. No, I mean, no, they're not, certainly not Wisconsin level, but I don't think this will be 2016 Michigan State. No, but I mean, if that's happen... the uh, of course, you know, the chasm between those two is wide. There's somewhere. Yeah, in that's there. a pretty low bar to clear. It's fair to say they'll probably be pretty good, but they're not going to be as good as they were last year, uh, and they are going to have new quarterbacks. So, I would temper expectations for the offense somewhat. Although I, forget, I neglected to mention, in addition to the running backs, we all we did talk about. They're also getting Chris Evans back after a year-long academic suspension, so they'll have. A group of four running backs they could easily use. They've got plenty of receiving depth. It's just a question of if they can find the guys to block and the guy to make the whole thing go. They've certainly got the guys who can do stuff with the ball in their hands, but are they going to get the opportunities? We shall see. Um, the defense also has some holes to fill. It does feel like that's probably going to be the stronger side of the ball. And in particular, I feel like their pass rush is still going to be good, even though they lose Josh Uche from last year. They'll still have Aiden Hutchinson and Carlo. Well, Carl kind of, I guess, plays more on the inside. Um, Quiddy Pay is a decent pass rusher. They're really going to need a couple of young players to be excellent on the inside, though. They have very little depth inside. Lost Michael Duomfor as a transfer to Rutgers, which, man, like, what a world we live in where Michigan had a meaningful blow to its strength and depth dealt to it by Greg Schiano's program. Well, I was just thinking about how, like, like quite a few Wolverines have ended up there now that were originally Jersey guys. So like, it's funny to me that Michigan has this like side hustle going on where it's kind of <laughs> operating like a, like a Juco, like 
you know, like recruit laundering scheme. And we're just like, all right, yeah. And then, then we'll then we'll flip them. And we'll flip these we'll flip these guys for uh, for double what we paid for them. No, Shiano a few years down the road. <laughs> and then yeah, and then like it turns out that. 20 or 30 other college programs are doing it and there's like a subprime recruiting bubble that bursts and the entire like 24-7 has to declare bankruptcy <laughs> oh shit the USC is yeah. doing the same thing to Illinois <laughs> yeah it's way more common than you think it's, it's California the, guys but yeah we, I mean we have been getting the Illinois guys because no Illinois guy worked a damn going to Illinois anymore um, <laughs> except for Ricky Smalling who's now gone sure so so they need big years out of Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith at defensive tackle. Um, they both have the pedigree for it, but you're counting on young players to have a big impact right up close to the ball, which as we've always discussed, it's a lot easier to have an impact when you're a young guy farther away from the ball. Hinton played a little bit last year. I think they maintained his red shirt, um, but I don't recall seeing Smith get any game appearances. Again, I'm not going to pretend I went back and checked the game programs, but um, they need a lot from those guys on the interior to make it work. Uh, they're going to have a fairly talented uh, secondary, but yeah. th- it's interesting. They've never lacked talent in the secondary. The question has always been, what are they doing with them? Yeah, so Ambry Thomas is probably, in my mind, the... Well, no, that's not, I was going to say, he's, is he the best defensive back returning in the conference? But... There's Sean Wade, there's Lamont Wade, there's two guys with the last name Wade, who I guess I would take before him. But Thomas is still going to be your starting senior, again, former five-star himself. Big recruiting loss for Michigan State when that happened. Still kind of irritates me, but um, he's going to be a standout at one corner. Vincent Gray got some snaps across from him, so at corner they should be okay. Obviously, beyond those two guys, you're always looking for depth, but again... With Levert Hill being on the field last year, how many guys deep are you really going to go? Um, they do have another former five-star in Daxton Hill scheduled to start at one safety spot. I think it's gonna, still going to be Brad Hawkins at the spot next to him. Um, so they have star power in the secondary, a couple of former five-stars. But as you mentioned, you know there have been times where, and maybe this is more of a schematic standpoint, where they, just, they look outclassed. Well, the um, 62-39 happened against some first-rounders, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, they've had they've had plenty of talented pieces on the defense in the past, and that's the thing. We're really like the concentration of the talent talent changes as the position changes and stuff. And yeah, it's valuable for us to to update and and see exactly where those changes might occur. But fundamentally, the names change, but the talent level is the same, which is very high. But not high enough for what they want to do, yeah. Yeah. Um, Which has to be kind of a frustrating place to live in. They also are going to have some. They have a couple of major losses in the linebacking group. Kaliki Hudson, who I thought was one of the more underrated players in the conference last couple years, he was. I think his junior year was better than his senior. Again, that's just my impression from what I watched of them. Maybe maybe the film doesn't bear that out. But Kaliki Hudson was another guy who was like who kind of was what they said Julius Peppers was. Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers, not Julius. Boy, you're Julius gonna, you're gonna get us. You're gonna get us hate mail. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, I just I already I already forgot about that guy. Yeah, <laughs> right. The guy the guy who's likely gonna wash out from the Giants' defense after another year or two, which is one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And he ended uh, up on the Browns. 
That was where he was drafted. They already they already jettisoned him. Yeah. So he again. That's another like the misfortune of playing for those two teams is just like some guys get all the luck, right? (laughs) Saw a comic about a Giants fan and a Jets fan yelling at each other from across the thing, and they were just in a toilet bowl going downwards, both yelling at each other about about who's the bigger dumpster fire. Yeah, and they lose Jordan Glasgow also, the last of the Glasgow brothers. Um, three walk-ons who all, I think, all turned into NFL players at one point or another. I know Graham ended up in the NFL for a while. He played for the Lions for a while. I don't remember if Ryan Glasgow, the defensive tackle, ended up sticking in the NFL. I'm sure he made a team. But anyway, um, Jordan Glasgow has now gone to graduation as well. So in the linebacking group, what they basically have is Cam McGrone looked like a potential star last year. I would imagine they'll keep him in the, in the middle, but they also get Josh Ross back, who was hurt for at least part of last year. They need to find another guy, as minor, my understanding is basically that they're still looking for the replacement for Hudson, which is an important spot in that defense. It's kind of the attacking position that makes the whole thing work. Um, we'll see how that pans out again. There's no shortage of talented candidates there. Um, and as we sit here, so this will debut sometime in the first week of August, but it's July 28th as we record, and the Big Ten has still not announced what we're doing with the schedule. Are we changing it? Are we moving things? Or are we still going to have half the league play on week one and the other half start a month later and then the teams that did play in week one lay off for a month? Like, what What are we doing here? I mean, is anybody home? I kind of don't think so because, if I'm not mistaken, Rutgers is one of those teams and they are currently in isolation. Yeah, well, there are, so is Michigan State, but there are time limits on those isolation. I think it's... 14 days for both of them. Yeah, but then you're saying that they have to, to deal with like several weeks less camp than other teams just because of that whole virus thing that literally everybody is dealing with? It because, because their governors are, I mean, because their governors did things differently because... Did you think this that any part of this was going to be fair? Where where the fuck have you been living? <laughs> like, well, I'm just, I just, because because gonna... Illinois has handled... COVID reasonably well, so I'm trying to think, well, wait, if it's un- if it's not inherently fair, how is this going to screw us more than other people? Um, and I don't know. It's interesting that you say that because Michigan has done pretty well. Than, very well, actually. I, I was checking on COVID Act now, and we, we're, we're into the yellow zone. Hey. Oh, boy. Ohio, however, is not. So, like, yeah, well, you because have they're... a weird situation where or a full-strength Michigan State team plays an Ohio State team where there's where there's just no defensive linemen available. That'd be pretty cool. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's basically what it's gonna take. Um, <laughs> so I guess you know, we can look at what the it's schedule. Like, like, is. like the entire defensive line room. Like somebody went into a position meeting and with accidentally sneezed. Yeah, and now everybody not realizing that they had it, and now there's no, and now you've got guys playing both ways. You've got linebackers lining up over centers. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> babies having babies. <laughs> Look, this this is already going to be certainly the weirdest sports season of our lifetime if it happens. Which again, it, like, I think we agree. 
Like with each passing day, it feels less likely this is going to happen. <laughs> I mean, baseball is still is still happening. They're just pretending that baseball is happening. Like even though they said, "All right, the Marlins are just canceling." Yeah, the Marlins just the Marlins just don't play. The Marlins have been eliminated. <laughs> and, and, right, and everyone seems to think that that like nobody's batting much of an eyelash at that because it's like, well, they weren't going to win anyway. But like. What happens? What happens if the Nationals get hit with a rash of cases or something? Like the defending World Series champions have to miss fifteen percent of the season because I don't know. And one of the biggest things that we lost definitely is away crowds banging trash cans at the Astros. God, oh, that's, I'm so we're we're just putting a pin in that. <laughs> we're, that's still gonna happen. But that's still but yeah, gonna I mean, happen. I mean, Major League Baseball is just just. Pressing on as if as if there's just nothing unusual about that. So like, all right, well, you know. Well, the commissioner said, "Oh yeah, we this isn't. We thought this was going to happen. So, and this is the plan you had well, to just shut the team down for a few weeks. Like that to me, first of all, felt like a lie. Well, look, it felt our, like he never contemplated. Like they didn't. They did not plan for this at all. And they they already cannibalized two thirds of their season to buy themselves time. Like they this is the plan. How well, is this the plan? What I'm surprised is that he didn't go. Oh, look, our listeners are, are a much smaller portion of our base than the uh, than the site visitors, and they they know where we stand by now. So I'm surprised that he didn't just do the whole like thing when somebody says something bad about Trump. Like I'm surprised Rob Manfred didn't just go. I I've had no association with the Florida Marlins uh, or the Miami <laughs> Marlins. Uh, none of our teams have had association. I don't even know what league they're in. They I I know. You know, know how is it, I don't know if they're like a single A, triple A got on the schedule of uh, look somehow they got on the schedule of some of our professional major league organizations and and I, I don't know how it happened it had it had, was absolutely nothing that I did uh, and we don't know who's responsible well we just you know at this point I just uh, and they're they're losers and I just don't think I don't want anything to do with them. So what he's going to do is like the Susan Collins disapproving scowl and then in a week send the Marlins back out into competition. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's, just, it's just wild to me that we're just proceeding with the, with the season and just, we've just announced, all right, one team is just kind of <laughs> one t- out. Yeah, one team has 20 cases out of 30 guys. <laughs> and they're just not playing games. <laughs> well, not only are they not playing games, but the team they just played, the team they're about to play, they both lose several games as well and like so we're gonna go back to like some like some uh like some world war one era college football thing where it's like all right so (laughs) this team finished six oh and one (laughs) this team finished finished 14 and two (laughs) who do you who do you decide but 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 what was your strength to schedule though i for one look forward to a turn of the helms poll Oh boy! All right. Oh my so let's... God! We should absolutely select. They want to do a baseball tournament. That's fine, but it should. Abs- but the seating should absolutely be done like old school college football style polling. <laughs> just completely arbitrary. Just like, well, you know, like I don't know how many voters even watched Arizona. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, just, like none of the teams west of the Rockies get seated. Like the Dodgers just get left out of the tournament. <laughs> I think at this point Nelson Cruz is batting over five hundred. Probably. So, yeah. <laughs> so give him the MVP right now. Hey, Tigers are two and one. You telling me I, that we can't hang a division banner? No, wait, two and two. They got killed last night. Why do we keep playing games? Like they look good for one series, although they man, they're striking out at a hilarious rate. Um I haven't I've passed on fantasy baseball this year because I just couldn't 
like I, I didn't have the bandwidth mentally for it. But if any of our listeners out there are playing in any daily baseball leagues and you don't, well, first of all, you probably already know this perfectly well. But if for some reason you don't, if you're ever looking to stream a pitcher, pick up whoever is starting against the Tigers if they're available because they're going to get like 10 or 12 strikeouts, guaranteed. And the odds that they give up more than a couple runs are slim. So that would be my, that's my free advice to take that to the bank. Well, here's a fun thing. You remember, I'm still co-managing a fantasy college football team, like a keeper league. <laughs> I'm never going to let you have your own team. How many years have you been in no, an, appren- in an apprenticeship? Like- Apparently, this is like, um, I can't even think of a secret society with strict enough, uh, with strict enough entry requirements that, uh, I mean, they've done two expansions over like the damn near 20 year life of this thing. Talking, talking about, I'm, I'm dealing with much older people, you see. And nobody's dropped out, like even, at, like. There have been a couple of dropouts, but not for a long time. Like there's like a waiting list for this thing. Hey, so you. You don't have Hulu anymore, so I'm going to guess the answer to this is no, but I was going to ask if you've ever watched What We Do in the Shadows. No. I'm not not doing a Hulu or cable until I hear one way or another whether or not we're doing football, and then I'm going to try to get cable or football of some kind. Mm, Understandable. Well, in any case, it's a comedy. It's the second season just finished. I find it very good. Um, it's, It's about this... It's like a quasi-documentary reality kind of thing with these three vampires and one of them has a familiar who he's been who's been acting as a familiar just doing all kinds of shit work for these vampires for 10 years under the promise that they'll make him into a vampire eventually but every time a topic comes up it is very obvious that his master has no plans of turning him into a vampire (laughs) like anytime (laughs) soon if ever uh and so that's kind of what this reminds me of like you are you are apprenticing in a Keeper College Fantasy League for how many years now? Look, man, is I, it more I or less than ten years? Spend, I advised him to spend the last pick of the draft on um, an Illinois quarterback who is probably never going to play. So I probably had about <laughs> so ten you're... years added to my apprenticeship for that one. <laughs> Shit, I also I had him pick the second to last one with an Illini kicker that didn't win the starting job. Because, of course, had he, he would have just been kicking 50 yarders all the time. And everyone said he was going to. <sighs> so, yeah, no. Okay. I'm, so, so that's why we diverge, because I'm thinking, like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just demonstrating my unworthiness. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if we do get, like, I don't know, if we, if we play some games and then have, like, three bye weeks and then somebody comes back with, like, more positive tests and it's... Uh, and you know, and it turns into Thunder Gun Express, where Rutgers has some, has an outbreak, and <laughs> we'll then the come back for you. Come back for you. Oh boy, we're not coming back for your Rutgers. Uh, so, well, of course, like I don't know, Illinois wins their first two games, and then has to quarantine for the rest of the season. They're two and zero. They've got a case for the national national title, title. <laughs> again. You want the Helms pole back, don't you? Uh, so from, where we, from where we've gotten to, it's very easy to segue into a discussion um, of Michigan basketball. Last year, the first year of the Juwan Howard they era. Did talk about their schedule? No, because what did they talk about? Again, like the, they don't play until September 26th if the schedule stays as it is. Um, so they play Wisconsin, Penn State, at Michigan State, at Minnesota, which is a... Difficult out of the shoot. Bit of a meat yeah. grinder. And Wisconsin, I'll just... 
man, it almost it's almost a point where I take no joy in this, but the enduring image of Jim Harbaugh going forward to me at Michigan is just him like looking like he's staring into the sun on the sidelines against Wisconsin, getting his ass kicked. Yeah, is looking like he has no idea where he is. So that's yeah. He doesn't have much of a poker face. He's either shouting in anger or is dumbfounded that something isn't going his way. Those are his two expressions. So then for the most after part. Minnesota, I mean, he can basically just like you know. He can basically just toss the keys to like his 13 year old kid who doesn't have like a learner's permit, but is like, you know, done fairly well with the golf cart and be like, all right, you sure you got this? Good. Yeah, they, they could they could really put it into autopilot from there. Although Purdue, Maryland, at Rutgers and Indiana. That I last mean, one, that's going to be the one that rises up, especially if you're looking ahead to Ohio State. So yeah, but don't take that for granted. Think about it. Like. It's Indiana, which means that, yeah, Michigan's going to come out really unmotivated, look like shit, and then just talent away at the end anyway, while Indiana, you know, just, just, there's wailing and gnashing of teeth, just like, we put everything into this, why? This is so unfair, this is so stupid, I hate this sport. Yeah, I know that's the way it usually goes, and that's probably the way it'll go again this year, but that talent gap is not what it used to be. Um... And then they lose to Ohio State. Badly. So. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, as I was mentioning with the basketball thing, um, Juwan Howard in year one, I think the team was probably about as good as it could have been. Um, Certainly not, I mean, you shouldn't make excuses because it's not like there was nobody left on this team who could play. I mean, they have a couple guys who are going to be future NBA players. Um... It's not clear to me what John Beeline's plan was to fix the offensive issues his last team had. Um, I think he probably assumed he was going to have some combination of Jordan Poole, Charles Matthews, and Iggy Brezdikas on last year's team. I don't think Beeline would have guessed that all three of those guys were going to go, but they did. And so not only do you have a bigger talent hole than you might have expected, but then Juwan Howard comes in and he's running a very different system than Beeline did, especially offensively. Well, Beeline was probably counting on having at least something, at the very least something with a better attitude than a bunch of slugs. Right, that's what he, <laughs> that's what he meant to say. Um, which, you know, if you had asked me, like, is John Beeline ultimately going to succeed as coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, I would have said no, because he's going to coach the Cleveland Cavaliers without LeBron James, and their history has basically been a couple years with Mark Price, and then LeBron James, and then a whole lot of bad otherwise. So, Oh, their, their history has been, yeah, that, um, Michael Jordan over Craig Elo, LeBron James, the, 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 the in-between years, and then LeBron James again briefly. And then now the after LeBron the after James, years. which has been a dark and yawning abyss. Um, Not that anybody who's listening to this who's a fan of the NBA needs us to tell you that. 
So, uh, notwithstanding the wait fact... Wait a minute. Rust Belt basketball is getting really depressing in the pros now because Cleveland, Detroit, and Chicago... Yeesh. Yeah, if you want to throw Minnesota into that. Although they at least have a couple of interesting young-ish players. But Indiana's good. Milwaukee's good. Um, yeah, well, Milwaukee... <laughs> yeah, so it, let's... I don't think we get... Not all Rust Belt teams. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, though there's plenty of bad basketball here. I mean, it, there's if they had had that second, what I would have referred to as the sad bubble, the one for the teams that got left out of the actual NBA bubble, <laughs> they were talking about that. You, I don't know. We, I think we talked about this last week. It would have been in Chicago, which makes sense because most of the, it's, it, like the Knicks would have had to travel. That would have been it. So yeah. Um, oh wait, I mean, just find a city that's equidistant. distance. So like, like make them pull up in Fort Wayne. <laughs> Nobody. Corona ain't going to find you there. Um, Kokomo. <laughs> Muncie. Yeah, well, you could set, set up a vacation home in, or a timeshare in Muncie, right? So. Uh, how about Rockford? Too close to Chicago. Uh, Rock Island, Illinois. There we go. Is there an arena, though? They do have to have a place to play. <laughs> <laughs> With no fans? Well, yeah. They still... All right, never mind. So... Look, so notwithstanding the fact that they have this t- issue with who's going to score the ball and they've got a new coach, they came out kind of white hot. Um, their early non-conference wasn't anything all that impressive, but then they get into the battle for Atlantis where they beat Iowa State, at the time number six, North Carolina, and at the time number eight, Gonzaga, and they go from outside the top 25 to inside the top five. Um, that was before Roy Williams realized that somebody had replaced all his talented players with shitty players. Yeah, who did that? Who could have done that to Roy Williams? Um, so, it's like, it's like when yes. my dad talks at home about, like, somebody somebody put this thing I needed somewhere else. Uh, you know, like, somebody somebody, somebody moved this uh, out of the kitchen. And it's like, well, hmm, who could it have been? Was it, was it the fucking gnomes, Ken? Like, what are we talking <laughs> about here? <laughs> so, um, it's fair to say the North Carolina win did not age well, but the Gonzaga one sure did. did. Um, I'm pretty sure that was their only loss in the regular season. So they were flying high for a while. They lost against Louisville. They're, they kind of turned back into a pumpkin a little bit offensively after un- of, you know, after after unreasonably hot shooting in the tournament. Yeah, it felt like everybody kind of knew that, that there was a market correction coming, but it was still a really encouraging sign to see them go mm-hmm. and do the battle for Atlantis. Yep. Um, they did drop a couple more games there. They split the first two with a loss to Illinois. Um, also lost an overtime game against Oregon. That was one of the better games of the whole non-conference, I thought. It didn't really get a whole lot of chatter at the time because, you know, it was in that period of college basketball where the excitement of the first tournaments has worn off. The holidays are coming up. People aren't really paying that much attention to sports. But this was the Michigan-Oregon game was low-key one of the more exciting ones. Wasn't it also? Was that in the lead-up to Zion time? Probably, I mean... Alright, well then, well then, no, of course, no <laughs> other story in sports got any traction, but especially in yeah. basketball. Yeah, so, over the course of the rest of the season, you know, they stumbled after that out of the Big Ten gate. So when they get back into Big Ten play, they lost five of the first six. The only win was a double overtimer against Purdue. Um, they hit a little bit of a stride down the stretch, but I don't think they would have been a tournament team. I think they had to win at least... They probably needed to make the final of the Big Ten tournament, but they did also have a very strong non-conference resume. So it would have, they would have been a very interesting call. Um, substantively, 
boy, they they were kind of a mixed bag. So on the one hand, Howard's got a couple of senior anchors in John Teske and Xavier Simpson who are limited players off it. Like it's not like they can do everything offensively, but though like a seven footer with good decent post presence and a point guard who has all kinds of weird little trick shots in his arsenal should be enough for you to build a functioning offense. The real problem was when Isaiah Livers got hurt, it pushed a bunch of other guys into roles they weren't ready for. Um, Brandon Johns had his moments, but he certainly didn't look ready for it. Franz Wagner is pretty darn good for a freshman, but again, not really ready to be a second option in a lot of rotations that they needed him to be. So it just they well, were they were one piece short, really. Essentially, yeah, they had a. T- Howard inherited a talented roster, but not necessarily a complete roster. Yeah. Um, and and certainly a, a you know a vulnerable one to I mean you know the Livers injury was such a such a big deal for them. So so here's then I guess a thought exercise for you: How many more or less wins would John Beeline have gotten out of this team? Because of the respect I have for him, I think he probably gets a couple more wins, but. I don't think he would have done all that much better. Um, so I don't think you can really say that Juwan Howard himself was a was much of a disappointment because this was definitely going to be a step back for me. Yeah, yes. But it's also what I'm going to be interested to see next year is he's not, he's not going to have nearly the same senior presence that he did. I mean, he, I believe Livers is their only scholarship senior. Um, no, that's not that's not true at all. What am I saying? They um, they have a huge senior class because they picked up all these transfers, uh, and Bro- Eli Brooks is going to be back. He was he's going to be a senior also, um, but yeah. So that's going to be the interesting not quite thing. Not the same as having seniors that have played their whole career under one of the best coaches in the game. True, and it's always so. Of the transfers, they've got Mike Smith from Columbia, who figures basically to be the full time point guard. I mean, Brooks has been there for a while, but. He's always, I mean, when they've tried to start him, it generally hasn't gone well. Smith is probably going to be the starter there, but look, moving, going from the Ivy League into the Big Ten is a big jump up in play. So, you get, I mean, Smith scored like 22 points a game at Columbia. That ain't going to happen in the Big Ten. Um, if he gives you half of that, you're probably pretty satisfied. They also picked up Sean D. Brown, I think I'm saying his name right, from Wake Forest, a pretty darn good shooting guard. So... With Smith taking, you know, Smith and Brooks basically running the point, they'll use. I would think they might play Wagner at the two a little bit. He's probably better suited for the three. Um, so they're gonna need big minutes out of both of those transfers. It, the the fit here for Nogel Eastern would have been interesting because they could have used a guy like that, but not for what he wanted to be. <laughs> so um, it's gonna be interesting to see, and they're they're gonna need. I mean, honestly, I think more than Simpson, because they filled that hole with Mike Smith, they're going to have a hard time replacing John Teske. So up front, they will have Austin Davis back. He's got a fifth year, so he he will return. He is certainly a large dude, and he's got a kind of a nifty set of post moves, but he was also a problem defensively. So we're going to need to pivot then to the recruiting class because they're going to need contributions um, immediately, they had. Oh, the other thing I guess we should mention: they did have a number of transfers, also um, guys that would basically have formed the nucleus of the next couple beeline teams if he had stayed. But David DeJulius left, Colin Castleton left, and Cole Bajima left. So, in addition to the seniors that left, I mean that there's a huge turnover in personnel here from last season to this. 
you're basically going to be seeing Wagner, Livers, Brooks, and Davis are going to be the guys who played much at all last year that are going to contribute. Four guys that are back. That's not like Hoiberg year one level turnover, but it's a lot. Your thoughts? <laughs> I talked for a long time. You did indeed. <laughs> well, I kept waiting for you to speak up, but I did talk a little fast, I guess. Tell us about the recruits. I got I got distracted. Well, one of them is, of course, the prodigal son, uh, Jay Switchman. And does it does it seem like there's just been a huge influx of Jaces into the ranks of college sports lately? Jaces, Jalen's, Jaden's, Jasons. Yeah. It feels like the letter J is starting to become grossly overrepresented. Also, I just think because you know, one of my formative moments in, in watching TV was the, the Namek Saga and Dragon Ball Z. I just always think of the Ginyu Force whenever I see a dude named Jace. <laughs> I expect him to be a red, Australian to be red, red with long white hair, huh? huh? Uh, <laughs> sure, so... Yeah, I was talking about the recruits, you mentioned the guy who's least likely to have an impact, which is Howard's son. Jace is now going to be a scholarship player on the team, but... The guy I wonder they, if he's got anything... For Tyler Underwood, because Tyler Underwood knows the defense. <laughs> right. Well, I think maybe if Fred Hoiberg were to, or if you know, if Steven Izzo were to stand on Jack Hoiberg's shoulders, that they could probably effectively guard Jace Howard, who I think is like six eight. But other than that, uh, I think in the contest of the coach's sons, Michigan's probably going to have the advantage starting Let's do next a one-on-one year. One-on-one tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's let's not. That sounds unwatchable, but. What Michigan's really going to need next year is contributions from Hunter Dickinson, who's their, I think, their best recruit on paper. Um, Seven-footer, again, relying on a freshman for big minutes inside, especially in the context of they need him to play defense. That's going to be tough sometimes, but he certainly you got the... You need to be prepared to lose him early, like in a game. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're going to, I mean, again, you would think that between him and Davis... They may be able to patch things together, but so look, here's here's what I'm thinking is if you're Michigan in this coming season, let's say Luca Garza comes back. How are you guarding him? (laughs) So very few teams did it effectively at all last season, but this year you've got a fifth year senior who is basically offense only and you've got a true freshman. Like Garza's going to go for 50 if he wants to. What if there's no NBA draft somehow? Well, that's not going to happen. I, mean, that's, I know, but I'm just saying. So you're saying what if all of a sudden, through some waiver of the rules, you get a return of Xavier Tillman, Daniel Turu, Jalen Smith. Yeah. Like they all just This enormous <laughs> class of big men. It just feels like something that, that Michigan fans would have nightmares about. Because <laughs> it's just every night, just one guy after another. Well, it's like, it's, it's like the entire rogues gallery gets let out of Arkham Asylum at once. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So I, I think the hope up front is that Juwan Howard did get a considerable step out of John Teske last year. He did from Austin Davis, too. I mean, it it was more of a step on the offensive end of the floor, but you're hoping that Howard's personal touch with big men is able to bring Davis along another step and to help Dickinson transition the college game quickly because they're going to need him quickly. Um, They have a couple other interesting options, a couple of top 100-ish guys in Terrence Williams and Zeb Jackson. Um, Which I hope is short for Zebulon. I, d- uh, I don't know. Zebulon or maybe Zebediah or... There's plenty of there's plenty of good... Like, 
most of the endings to Zeb are going to be pretty entertaining. Um, but the thing about it, that is... Zebs. Aside from the 2021 class, which is off to a pretty good start for Michigan, Jackson's going to be the only guard returning next year with experience. The only true guard, at least. Again, they might play Wagner at the two a little bit, but because they brought these transfers in instead of, well, I mean, what better option was there, really? Um, they're going to lose those transfers. They're going to lose Brooks. Jackson's going to be the only guard with any experience on the 2021 team. So. Well, on the other hand, that gives them options. They could just get a whole bunch of six foot eight guys and go full Rutger. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's also Tom Izzo's platonic ideal of a team. Uh, yeah. So, again, the... <laughs> If you, if you could offer the choice to me right now, if you have to lose football to save basketball, I would do it in a heartbeat. But my team is probably going to be really bad at football and really good at basketball, so I can't expect much consensus on that. I like football too much. Yeah, whatever. We'll discuss that in a little bit more depth very soon, actually. But <laughs> By the time this comes out, we will already have discussed it true, but they won't know that we'll have discussed it, nor will they have heard it. We're setting up a weird chronological timeline. We're doing a Pulp Fiction type thing. That's going to win a lot of awards, though. Nobody's going to be entirely sure what's going on until they've seen it five times, but you can listen to these episodes multiple times. They age well, I'm sure. I just need to edit a few more fucks everywhere. <laughs> do, do we? Do we cut those out normally? Should I try not to say that as much? No, but we're not saying them with anywhere near the frequency of Pulp Fiction. True. <laughs> no, I mean, that was rated R, though. I, I guess I don't... There is no real ratings system for podcasts. This is basically the Wild West, isn't it? There is one. I don't pay that much attention to it. Oh, but I mean, have you ever played the Pulp Fiction drinking game? You just drink when someone says, fuck. <laughs> you it's, it's, it's extremely fast-paced. Yeah, you black out half an hour in, so... Yeah. <laughs> So, nothing else to say about Michigan. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!